um, can't we all just get along? That's like mom's rally cry on Easter and birthdays, right? Uh, every, if it was a birthday, it's like we could fight the rest of the year. But on somebody in the family's birthday, it was like, can we just get along? It's your brother's birthday. And uh, Easter morning also, did anybody else have that? Like Easter and Christmas. It's like, we're not fighting today, it's Easter. And, um, and so every sort of holiday, birthday, all that kind of stuff, that was, that was what my mom had to say. Of course, this weekend, if you follow the news cycle, you saw that um, not long ago we had the issue and with Syria, and then this weekend that escalated. And, and so on a personal level in our families, we, uh, we have a lot of things we can't get along with. And then on a global level, there are, there, we can't get along, and we continue to have issues. And um, sometimes one person's at fault, and sometimes everybody's at fault, and sometimes just somebody else is at fault. Um, but, but one thing's for sure, we haven't found a way on a large scale or even on a micro scale to really get along. And wouldn't it be nice if we could do that? Here's what I know for sure. I know that before we can address what, before we can address everything that happens out there, uh, out in all the rest of the world, we've got to begin to get along here. And we've got to begin to get along in the church. And if we can get along in the church and in our families, then we can begin to address some bigger issues. But if we can't get along with one another, we definitely can't with everybody else. Um, David Jeremiah, he was, um, we watched a little video on him this weekend and he was preaching. And one thing he said was, uh, he said, um, you know, uh, he said, I got no problem loving the world. It's my neighbor that I'm struggling with. And, uh, yeah, that's me. You know, I'm like, oh, I love people, but there are some people very, you know, I love the world in general, but there are some people really close to me that are really pretty unlovable. And I know that before I can address the big things, i got to sort of come home and do those things well. So that's what I want to jump into today, is talking about getting along in the church. But here's a pretty cool thing. Anything that we say that can happen in the church, you can apply that directly to your family. And so, so there's this idea that, that um, you know, the... You know, the church is the bride of Christ, and so the family is sort of this picture of, uh, of, of Jesus in the church. And so as we talk about how to do things well in the church, uh, those same principles apply to your family. And so it's, it's a pretty neat thing how, how we get to sort of do both. And so as we walk through that today, we sort of get to kill two things, or kill, kill two things, kill two birds with one stone. If you don't finish it, it's pretty bad. Um, as we, but as we learn to get along here, and as we learn to get along at home, then we can learn to get along in other places and out there and solve big problems. In the book of Romans, Paul's writing to the church at Rome. This is a pretty interesting mix when you dig in, okay? So he's writing to the church at Rome. He's got these total mixing of cultures. So put yourself in their shoes, okay? Let's say you... Um, you just, you just became a Christian, you know, after much debate and years of deciding not to. Finally, you did, and you said, you said yes to Jesus, and you're, you're going to be a Christian. And then what happens is you all of a sudden have to be in church, and, and let's say it's not a big building like this where you can sit over here, and you can sit over here, and you can be back there, and, and you can even get a balcony if you really, you really don't like people that much. Um, but let's say it's in your house. And you're meeting in house church, so you're in really close quarters. And all of a sudden, there are other people in that church who you can't stand, 
who you haven't been able to stand for a long time. Your family has been fighting their family for a long, long time. You personally don't like them. There's, there's nothing good about them. You've went out of your way to completely avoid them. And now they're right there next to you, sharing the sofa with you. And now you're supposed to be church together. And that's sort of what they're doing. And you look at them, you've always looked at them and said, they are the worst, and now you're supposed to be church family. You guys heard, there's this Christian comedian, and, uh, and he says, um, so sometimes we say things are the worst, and he tells this joke, and he says um, his daughter was at the mall, and he was late to pick her up, and she posted on her social media, um, you know, a sad face, and it said, when, you're, when, you're, uh, when your ride is late to pick you up from the mall, hashtag the worst. And uh, she calls everything the worst. And he said, uh, I can just imagine a group of, of Chilean miners trapped in the bottom of the mine. And, uh, and oxygen's running out. And, uh, and it, it's pretty bad. And they're looking around going, this is really, really bad. But you know what's the worst? When you're at the mall and your ride is late to pick you up. You know, it's, it's really funny because it's, it's, it's sort of true. Uh, we say things are the worst, and we see the worst in things that a lot of times really aren't actually all that bad. Um, so here we go. You're in house church with these people. You can imagine how Paul's trying to pastor people who can't stand one another. And so here we go, Romans 14. Here's the actual issue that they're dealing with. Um, the issue they're dealing with is food. Okay, so, so, so food and what they eat is a pretty big deal. And, and that makes sense to argue about food. I've been battling food for about a year and a half. Uh, you, know what, you know what I learned about food? You know, ever since I, I found out that underneath this beautiful exterior is a crumbling interior, and, uh, and you know, I got high cholesterol and all that, uh, what I found is that um, eat, the foods that I like are killing me, and the foods that I don't like kill me to eat them. I just don't like healthy food. And all the foods that I like are not very good for me. At this men's retreat, I had a steak that was like this thick. And then I had bacon that was equally as thick. And it was delicious. Um, and I came home and I just felt sick because I hadn't been eating like that in, in a long time. But they're arguing a little bit about food. And, and, and food is on the surface. But just beyond the surface is the real problem with the food. Tell me if this sounds familiar even in your families. The real problem is this. There's one group of people that are absolutely sticking to the old way. They are sticking to the old way. This is the way we've always done it. This is what we've always eaten or not eaten. And we are not going to do it differently. And then there's another group of people that say, I don't think we have to do that anymore. I don't think that's that important. It's not absolutely necessary. And sometimes you're on one end of that, and sometimes you're on the other end of that. Um, but man, that's an argument that, 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 boy, that fuels lots of our arguments. So here we go, Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Uh, he says, Accept the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. And then here we go, proof that vegetarians are evil, verse 2. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. Um, the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, because God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? 
to their own master, servant, stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than the other. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Note he's not saying, you're right, you're wrong. He says, just be fully convinced. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone. Catch that. Can I read that again? In the church, none of us lives for ourselves alone. And also none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. That's the gospel. Did you catch that? I say gospel a lot. He says, this is the reason that we might be church family and followers of Jesus. That's the reason Christ died and returned to life so that, we might, so that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. The last verse, verse 10. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Thank you, God, for your word. And may, as we sort of pick it apart, uh, may you make it really, really clear what you're saying to us this morning. Amen. Um, so here's the thing. Here's what you've got. It, it, just a, a quick little, little breakdown of what's happening. You've got these Jews, and they're observing all the old laws. So if you read the Old Testament, it's got so many things in there, and you're like, why is this stuff in the Bible? And it's like, don't eat this, do eat this. Don't walk here, do walk here. And all kind of stuff that you're kind of like, what does that have to do with spirituality and all that kind of stuff? Well, there were all these rules in the Old Testament for the, for the Israelites, and it was sort of teaching them how to live and how to be different from everybody else. And Jesus came, and, and he fulfilled the law. And so all those little nuances about what to eat and what not to eat um, went away. But there are these Jews who have been doing this for like a thousand years. And, and, and even a little longer, 1,500 years. And they're like, you're telling us that now because we're Christians, because Jesus came, now we don't have to do the things we've been doing for thousands of years? I, I just, I think that we're going to continue to do some of those things. And the problem is not that they're like, we're going to continue to follow all the old dietary laws. They're looking at everybody who's not doing it just like they're doing it. Imagine all the people who are not doing church like us which is a lot of people, looking here and saying, you're doing it totally wrong. And us looking at everybody who's not doing church just like us, saying, you're doing it totally wrong. And they're arguing about how, how they're supposed to live out their faith and do we have to, can we eat this or can we not eat that? And, 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 and where they had one house church of like, like just a few people, now they split up and this is another house church. And so they're not getting along with one another anymore. And it's a big deal because not long before this, Jesus was on the earth and he was saying, the rest of the world will know that you're mine if you love one another. And now all of a sudden you got the church not really loving one another. And it's a pretty big deal. What Paul's telling them very, very plainly, I think, is this. He's saying, accept one another because Christ has accepted you. He's saying, accept one another in the church, accept one another because Christ has accepted you. Here's essentially what he says to them. This ever happened to you? I remember going to my dad and, and being like, you know, just something, Dad, uh, you know, 
Jerry got to drive the four-wheeler three times today, and I only got to drive it two times today. And you said that since I'm the youngest, I should, you know, get to drive it more than him. So I should get four times, and I'm, well, I'm just going down the list of all the things that are rightfully mine. And, and my dad just looks at me and says, you two boys get along. <laughs> kind of like, I couldn't care less. And, uh, and what really needs to happen here is you just need to get along. And we knew that that meant, you know, as long as we don't fight... You know, then, then we get to work it out however we want to. And if we just fight a little bit and he doesn't find out, that's okay too. Um, but that's what he's saying is, that's what Paul's sort of saying to them. He's like, hey, you guys, just get along. It's not a big deal. And what you're talking about here is, is just a matter that's, that's really pretty trivial. Think about your families. Do you not sometimes fight over things that don't matter? And even in your own mind, sometimes you go, this does not matter. But I'm just so mad, you know. The, the, the madness is the thing now. The thing is, a, is nothing. But I've just gotten so upset about it that we're going to fight about it. Um, churches have split, literally. One church split and said, we're not going to be, not in a good way, like, hey, we're going to go across town because there's not a church over there. No, churches have said, we don't like you, so we're not going to meet with you anymore, over things like, I've literally seen this, over uh, the color of the carpet. Um, I grew up in a church, we had red carpet, and, and we were going to get new carpet, and it was going to be blue um, and, and they didn't, some people didn't want the blue carpet. They wanted like a, like a gray carpet because it shows less stains. I remember the business meeting and, uh, and they fought and fought and a lot of people left because we went with the blue carpet and, uh, and both of them were adamant that their color carpet was the right one. Blue carpet facilitates worship better than gray carpet. It was just so, so dumb. And, uh, and yet, we fought over things that didn't matter at all. In, in the church, we fought over music style. How are we going to sing? What are we going to sing? We had a lot of personality clashes. You know, I think this should happen. You think that should happen. I think somebody already be greeting people at the door. No, I think they already greet people inside and leave the door shut. And then that becomes like a big deal because somebody's cold and somebody's not cold. And we just find all these things to fuss about. Fuss about program choices. Among denominations, we fuss about when, when to baptize, when not to baptize, when's that stuff important. Um, you know, we had a big debate for a long time in church about could you have tattoos or could you not. There are a lot of people that say, no, no, you can't have tattoos. And then there are some people who say, oh, tattoos are very important to my faith. And we just thought about things that meant absolutely nothing. And some of those things mean a little bit. Some things are more clear, but, you know, we fought about things over and over and over that just aren't that incredibly important. And what Paul's saying is, yeah, sometimes there's a right and sometimes there's a wrong, and sometimes there's not a right and a wrong, and, but the reality is Christ has accepted you both. And come to a resolution or don't, but, but your faith doesn't depend on it. And your mission and your purpose doesn't depend on it, okay? So just learn to accept one another and accept the fact that some things are going to be a little bit different. What are some of the things you fought about in your family? Man, when I was a kid, I fought with my parents about curfew so much. I had to be in at 10, and I wanted to be in at 10.30 um, because uh, the, the last movie ended at 10.00. 
I lived in a small town. We didn't have late movies. And um, so the last movie ended at 10, and I could never go to it because if it was like a two-hour movie, it started at 7, I could not make it home. And, and that was just a big, big deal to me. And we went toe-to-toe about my curfew all the time. As adults, man, I, I hear so many arguments in families. Families won't talk to each other because I don't like the way you parent, you don't like the way I parent, we're going to fight about it. And both of our kids are bad. You know? um, and we just end up fighting over so many little things. Man, I, we've had fights in my families over college major. You know, my grandma don't know why you need a college degree. And my dad doesn't know why anybody would get an English degree. And my mom doesn't want me to be a doctor, you know. And, 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 and boy, my families just clash over all these little things that, that, that really aren't that big of a deal. And what he's saying is, you know, honor one another appropriately, come to accept one another, and get along. Because when we can do that in the church, what it tells the rest of the world is that we're a little bit different in here. And we can get along. And the little things don't divide us because there's a big, big thing that brings us together. And he says, don't let those little things pull you apart. No matter how wrong one of us is, the reality is Christ has accepted us both. And so in light of that, here's, here's what I'd say. Here's the word. Where Christ has not passed judgment, don't pass judgment. Where Christ has not passed any judgment, don't pass any judgment. And for one, you're not the final arbiter anyway, but, but you, you get the right sometimes if, 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 if somebody next to you is doing something terrible um, to say, hey, what you're doing is pretty terrible. So, so the idea is not that you can never say that was not a good thing to do. But the idea is where, where, where the Bible has not said so incredibly clearly, this thing must stop or this thing must be this way. Don't pass judgment where the Bible doesn't pass judgment. Here's what he says in verse 10. He says, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Some things matter and some things don't matter. Do not murder. That matters. Okay? If you murder someone, I get the right to say, that was not right. You should not be doing that. And then I call the police. Um, scripture is very plain on some of those things. Jesus is the way to the Father. That matters. Okay? So, so that's very, very important to me. I'm not going to argue about it, but I'm going to hold to that truth. Now let me leave you with two thoughts about all this, about getting along, that are pretty good. There was a, uh, you can apply these in the church, you can apply these in your family, but check these out. So there's this Lutheran, Lutheran theologian, his name was, I can't pronounce it, Rupertus Meldinius, something like that, you don't know. Um, it was in the early 1600s, he said something pretty interesting. He said, uh, when it comes to the church, when it comes to your family, he says, in essentials, let there be unity. So let's discuss the things that are most important and make sure we're on the same page. In essentials, let there be unity. And non-essentials, let there be liberty. So let's not worry about the things that aren't essential. And in all things, let there be charity. Doesn't that make sense? In all things, let there be some charity. So even when it's black and white, and it's right and wrong, you know, share that with some grace. Not looking down your nose at somebody else, and not, not passing this judgment that sort of says, in, 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 in some way, I'm better than you. He says, I'm going to read it again. In essentials, let there be unity. and non-essentials, let there be liberty. And in all things, let there be charity. Or have some grace. The second thought is this. This other guy whose name I can't pronounce. 
Actually, I can pronounce it. It's Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He wrote about his years. He wrote a book. He wrote um, the Nazi, when the Nazi regime was really big, he ran sort of like an underground seminary. And so we have a seminary, two seminaries in this city, maybe three, but the big one, we got Notre Dame, the Catholic Seminary, we got the Baptist Seminary. And, uh, and they're pretty big buildings and they're pretty visible. Well, during the Nazi regime, uh, you weren't allowed, religion was outlawed. And, and so seminaries were definitely outlawed. And so they ran an underground seminary training pastors and that kind of thing. So he, he wrote a whole book just about his experience through that thing. And, and one portion of that book says this. It says, God does not will that I should fashion the other person according to the image that seems good to me. Doesn't that make sense? It's not God's will that I make someone else be like me, be in my image. I can never know how God's image should appear in other people. The diverse individuals in the community are no longer incentives for talking and judgment and condemning. They are rather calls for rejoicing in one another and serving one another. Man, I'm guilty all the time. You know, when I'm at school and I'm teaching, man, I'm, you know, I'm really, I'm like, if you could be like me, that would be really good for you. You know, based on where you're going, if you could just turn and be like me, that'd be good. And the idea is that God has not created anyone to be me. Praise God. God has not created anyone to be me. No, he's created them to be uniquely who they are. And that's going to be a, a battle with, well, if this second one's a boy, <laughs> that's probably going to be a battle. Um, you know, because cause I, I, there's some things I think I want. I want my kid to be a, you know, a, um, a, a Saints fan, a sports fan. I want him to, to want to work with his hands and, you know, do some construction. And, and I probably won't get any of that just because I really want it. And, um, and, and the reality is, my point is not to make another me. God has created each of us uniquely and gifted us uniquely. And when we split hairs over all the non-essential things, we, what we're saying is, God, I, I don't care about the uniqueness that you've created. I just want people to be who I want them to be. Accept one another because Christ has. And reserve judgment and reserve correction for when it matters. And never, ever pass judgment where Christ or Scripture has not passed judgment. And even when you have to do it and you have to take a stand, do so with great grace. God, we praise you for...